Hello, hello, everybody. My name is Leah, and I'm here with Richard Diaz, and we are going to talk specifically today. We are talking to first-time Spartan or OCR—that's obstacle course racing—athletes. So, if you've never done a Spartan before, this is the podcast for you. We're going to go over just why you should even do a Spartan, why you want to do that over a triathlon, or if you've already decided you want to do one, what you can kind of start out with to get physically and mentally prepared for your first race. And if this is not your first time ever running a Spartan and you just want to learn some tips and tricks, stay tuned in, and I'm sure you're going to learn something. All right. So I just took on a new client yesterday. Ooh. And so never spoke to her first time on the phone. And I'm, by the way, I'm not divulging who she is. I'm not doing that. Okay. So if she's watching this, just, I got you. I'm not, I'm not going to play. All right? <laughs> but uh, so we start talking about her goals, right? And she wants to, she wants to do, she likes OCR. She's excited about it. She's, um, she really likes to get out there and, and be physical, does a lot of different things to be physical. Um, but then we find out that for the past eight weeks, she's been seeing a physical therapist three times a week. And she has injured her knee and she sprained her ankle. First, the knee was just chronic pain, just always living with that pain. And the next thing she did, which was a deal breaker, she sprained her ankle. And she sprained her mm -hmm. ankle in um, a Spartan Beast. Ooh. Okay, now, she's very new to the sport. And I can almost hear the conversation. Oh, so-and-so, you really should do this. There's so much fun. No, you can do it. You, trust me, you can do it. Okay, so that was coaching. And that was uh, inspiration. And that was education for her. She should sue those people <laughs> that... that <laughs> that introduced her to the concept of going out there and just throwing herself up on a mountain and hoping it's all going to work out. For 13 miles. Was that her first ever Spartan, the Beast? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I okay. haven't delved deep enough into it, and I don't want to divulge too much more about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because she's already probably laughing right now if she's watching this, <laughs> thinking, oh, he's talking <laughs> about me. You know uh, who you are. You know what? They're probably, could I tell you something? There's probably 50 people that are going to watch this. He's talking about me. You know, because that's common. It's common. Mm -hmm. And so um, the concept of having somebody actually train you or teach you or guide you in a sport, it, it's every other sport has one of those people, right? It's just, but when you, when you start talking about uh, running at large, people don't get taught how to run. People don't, you know, they just don't even think, they just think it's a natural component of their, their system. They should be able to just run. And they go do it, and then they find out that, whoops, I should have used a little education because I'm asking too much of myself, and I get hurt. So I don't want to hog the stage here. I, I want, because, you know, you're somebody that's been out there, you've been racing, and you've got experience, and, you know, you go out there to try to win every stinking time, and I don't blame you. I love it. I think it's great. Um, but let's just talk about if you're a beginner. And by the way, if you've done if you've done what I just explained, you're still a beginner. Just because you survived a beast, that doesn't make you, you know, um, ex well, you're experienced. You're, you found out what you might not have done. 
but she didn't learn anything from the experience other than, oh my God, now I'm really hurt and I'm scared to death to try to go do this again. So um, <laughs> if you've done a few, you could still very well be a beginner. If you've never done it and you're scared of it and you want to do it right, you're a beginner. And this show today is about providing some tips for beginners. You take it away, Leah. Yeah. So I only, I remember when I started Spartan racing, it was, I guess, not thinking of like the COVID year or two, whatever, where there haven't been any races. It was only a couple of years before that. So I think it was 2016 when I ran my first Spartan race. And then of course I got roped into the trifecta because I started with the super and then you show up and they're like, Oh, well, you can just do two more races and you get this fancy medal. So me and my husband and our friends were like, okay let's go it was actually really fun though so i know it's a marketing strategy i know it's their way to make more money but it worked it was really fun so anyway though my first race um yeah hey it worked uh my first race i did the san jose spartan super i have my friends laugh at me that because i run spartan races not because they don't like them but because i was always such a bad like endurance athlete I always played like what they consider ball sports. So super like fast, quick movements, not drawn out efforts. <laughs> the warm up runs of like half a mile would kill me. And I was in the back of the pack, like, oh, I hate this. So they laughed that I run Spartan races now. So my first race, I don't think I had like trained for that at all, if I remember correctly. And it was still like a six or seven mile race because it's technically like, oh, the 10K distance, but it's always ends up, it always ends up being like eight miles. Or so and it was all hills and i'd never like just run hills long distance before <laughs> so kind of sucked but all that to say i learned some good things i think of how to be better prepared for races so a big one i would say is yeah running a lot i mean i think anyone who runs spartan races and they're talking to a beginner one of the first things they're going to say is run more than you think you should it's a running sport um, you might look at Spartan and be like, oh, it's kind of like Ninja Warrior. I'm just going to go out and play in the mud. Yeah, but it's like a three mile, eight mile, 13 mile Ninja Warrior. It's still a ton of running. So get comfortable with running um, and run that distance or above of what you're training for. And you're going to be a lot more prepared for that start line than you would otherwise. And you know, what's funny when you we're talking about this. I will have a conversation with people, again, doing my clinics and whatever, and I'll say, so you're doing a beast. How many miles a week do you run? And I start getting things like 15, 18 miles a week. I said, 15 or 18, you're going to do almost all your training volume on one mountain in one sitting, and you're ill-prepared for that. You're not getting enough run in. And the problem with most people that, that don't run more is because pain shows its ugly head when they try to run more because they're not running well. So I would suggest that tip number one is two-part. Run well, run more often. need to do it right because otherwise you won't be able to run more often and so the linchpin to your capacity to to be successful in these events to whatever extent you want to be successful is limited by your ability to run tip number one yeah tip number one part one and two 
So yeah, I think that's a big one. Um, and then I kind I kind of have a little list of things I want to go down basically for first time racers first, uh, why you should even do an obstacle course race. I know for a lot of people who've never done them before, they just see an ad or they have friends who say, Hey, come do a Spartan, come do a tough mutter, come do a savage race. If you're East coast, that's a big one. Um, why should you even do it? Why does that even sound fun? I think a lot of us like that are more outdoorsy, we almost have this like primal desire, like, Oh, I want to go trail running and get in the mud and do this. Like it feels natural, you know? So there's some of us who feel that way. And then other people who are just like, eh, I don't know. I'd rather just go run flat on roads. But I think Spartans are really great for you. It helps build just that all around fitness that you're not necessarily going to get from just going out and running flat for a half marathon or something. So I think Spartans are really fun. They're great. Um, it's a really cool experience that you're not really going to get from any other race. Um, also I've run triathlons and triathletes are kind of like, it's a weird environment. Like they're usually a bunch of rich people who are kind of mean. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've never heard that before, but that, you know, that could be. That's how I felt when I went to one. Cause like, I was just like some kid or whatever, run out running a triathlon. I'd never done one before and I wasn't that good. And it's all these like people with their fancy bikes. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so let, let's back up to your the the uh, the fun factor of doing the OCR events, okay? And I found mm. and I've talked about this a lot. And so if you heard me say this before, you know you got to forgive me. But what I learned when I first got exposed to obstacle course racing, meaning that I went to an event, and I was I was actually with, I was coaching Hunter McIntyre at the time, one of the very first events. Actually, I think it was the first event that I've ever been to. He encouraged me because you got to come, you got to come, you know, because you're, you know, you're hiding in your little secret lair here, your cave, and you're, you know, working with athletes, but you you got to get out here and see what this is all about. So I say, okay, fine, let's go. All right. And incidentally, I'm the same way when I was working with football players, basketball players, I don't go to the games, you know, I, I might look in the newspaper and see how it went and see if, you know, Leah just da, 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 I'm looking for some news on you, you know, if I, but anyway, uh, I go to this event, and here's my experience. I'm sitting, um, I, was, I think there was a fence that was, you know, people were kind of corralled in the uh, transition area, if you, lack of a better term. And uh, I'm talking to a, an athlete. Uh, she doesn't know who I am, you know, I'm just, we're just having casual conversation. And I'm watching, it was like, uh, there was a rig, and people were coming off the rig, falling off the rig, doing burpees. And their friends would wait for them. So I, I, I get through, I finished it, you fall off, I wait for you. And I'm, I, was, I was beside myself. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> you got to go. You got to run. I'm like, you know what? You, you, what? You got to go. And I'm like a wild man screaming at these people. And it wasn't just one. It was a lot. Sometimes they just start walking. You know, it's like they jump off the thing and they're just walking together and having a conversation. And... and and I just, I'm, you know, I was one of those fancy people with a really cool bike and, and triathlon. And <laughs> these people are racing, okay? These people don't, you know, they got zero Fs what you're doing. They're going to race, right? They will leave their children and their wife, you know, bleeding on the side of the road until the race is finished, right? And <laughs> so the, the thing that I'm trying to impart here is the sport and the popularity of the sport is because... It is non-judgmental. People will stop and help you if you're suffering. People will encourage you when you're suffering. Uh, people will wait for you so that you can mm -hmm. suffer together. 
And that's, that's been very appealing to people. And that, you know, they're thinking, oh, all the pressure of going on, I'm not really an athlete, I don't wanna race. But I got all these people yeah. that are really not athletes that are gonna go do this thing because they know nobody's gonna judge it. So I think that's mm -hmm. the power of the sport to begin with. And I think for that reason, it's fun, non-judgmental. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think a big thing that I, I hear people say when they first want to do a race is, oh, but what if I'm last place? Oh, but what if I come in last place? Like, that's gonna be so embarrassing. Oh, it's gonna be such a big deal. Spartan, you might have 15 people who see you and they're like, yeah, hey, whatever, let's all run together then. So it's, we can let's all finish all together. together. Like they, <laughs> they don't care. Like people yeah. don't care in Spartan. Like if it's gonna be your first time race, you're gonna probably have more help than you know what to do with, with people offering to come alongside you and have a blast and no one's looking down on anyone else. I mean, it, that's one thing I think having all the start different start times too is like everyone's finishing and ending at different times. It's not about your time. It's just about going out there and having a blast. So that I think I agree with you. I think the non-judgmental aspect well, so is a huge I, thing that draws people yeah, in and it's fun. The other thing to take into account is that I've been to Tough, Tough Mudder. Completely different vibe. Completely yeah. different vibe. Spartan is far and away more competitive. There's people mm -hmm. that are trying to win. There's people that are trying to get on the podium and they're, they're racing. Uh, Tough Mudder's gotten to be a little bit more like that. But back in the day, Tough Mudder was like, they're just all kumbaya on the mountain, wherever. Oh, yeah, because they didn't even have like timing chips or anything no, for a lot no, of those. They're just, like, they're just going out there and throwing themselves in the mud and whatever. <laughs> and I, I tell you what, when I, my first experience there was, was unique too. Because the first thing that, that I, I noticed is that, A, nobody knew me. Which is kind of weird because it was getting to this place for a while that a lot of people would know me when I show up at an event, uh, a Spartan event. But you know, Tough Mudder. Yeah. Like, no, this is just an old dude walking around. You know, so what? You know. <laughs> so, um, but I, I was like, wow, this is different. There's something about this is really, really different. And uh, you know, and again, I think at that time too, I was with Hunter. And, you know, every time I went someplace with Hunter, he won, with exception of mm -hmm. once which was at uh, Monterey. Um, but I'm like, dude, I drove all the way up here to watch you come in second place. First loser, right? Anyway, First loser. But uh, wow. so that's, that's, that's important to keep in mind. So that's not really a tip as much as it is, is an awareness. Just be aware that if this is new yeah. for you, it's not going to be like triathlon, right? I mean, yeah. when I used to get, get in the ocean, People that know me might, they know this. If I could drown you to get in front of you, I would mm -hmm. in that sport. I mean, literally, I would climb right over top of you because going around you took too much time. And that's not the way that works. Yeah, <laughs> triathlons are intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I liked it. But hey, it's a sport. Yeah, but it's, it's, I think that's funny. A lot of people go into Spartan from other sports like that and they're same thing you're you're talking about like why are you stopping like what is going on yeah. <laughs> but but also people don't be too scared like if you want to go into this for the more competitive aspect so i don't it, it, we'll just go into this spartan is three divisions so you have your elite division your age group division which used to be called competitive now it's age group and then you have your open so right now we're all we're talking about all that non-judgment all this fun whatever that's all about the open division so if it's your first race and you aren't quite feeling like oh, I really have my handle on this, run open, have a blast, get in, into the race, get a feel for it, 
before you try to run the age group or elite. So open, if you fail an obstacle, you technically have to do 30 burpees. But if there are a lot of people, and I hate to say this, but like there are a lot of people who don't, and they just, if they fail an obstacle, they just kind of keep going. Yeah. It's frowned upon, but it's like, you're not going to get disqualified for it. There aren't technical like rules like that in open. Um, age group and elite have the same rules. So if you fail an obstacle and you don't do your burpees, you will get disqualified from the race. You won't get your finishers medal. Like you will, you won't have, yeah, you won't have your time on there or anything like you'll actually be disqualified. So if you're, if you're serious about it, you want to push yourself, you want to have like the, the rules and stuff, start out with the age group. Like if you're, if you're already kind of pretty fit, you feel like you're ready to live up to those rules, and those expectations, try out the age group go for it. It is really fun. It's, it is a lot more competitive. I mean, people are there to race. You aren't, I don't think you're allowed to help each other in age group. I know in elite you're not, but I don't think you are in age group either. So like if you're having trouble in an obstacle, you're not allowed to get help or you will also get disqualified. So just be aware of that going into the age group, they will enforce the rules and it's, yeah, it's a competitive race. There are actual prize medals and stuff. So be aware of that. And then elite you actually have to qualify for it now. So you actually have to run an age group race, qualify. I think it's top 10 or top five. I don't know what it is now, but you have to get top five or 10 in your age group. Then you can go run elite. You get like a code and then you can run elite for the rest of that year. Um, so yeah, so start with age group. Elite has all the same rules. It's just, there's prize money on the line. So people are even more intense. You have, everything is like filmed. So if you fail an obstacle, you'll get filmed for your burpees and all that. You're technically filmed for age group, but you're not, they don't really actually do that. Um, so it's just a lot more strict, um, but it's technically all the same rules. Um, and then also you run first thing in the morning, you're racing with the small elite wave. So it is more, it, not, I'm not going to say judgmental because they're still, really chill people, super sweet. I mean, you're going to be racing with the the top woman in the world and she's going to be going, Oh, Hey, what's your name? Like, it's nice to meet you. I'm Lindsay Webster. Like, <laughs> I mean, they're super nice, super cool people, but they once the race starts, I mean, they're racing, they're, they're into it. So not, not, not I don't want to say not for the faint of heart, but it's, you want to be ready to race. If you're going to be racing in elite, it's not just to go have fun and mess around. Um, incidentally, yeah, while, so you're, while you're talking that, about I think, that, helps clarify. Not, not to cut yeah. you off, but I was thinking about it, and you know me, I'll forget. For Etiquette. So <laughs> when you're out there on the course, yeah. uh, in the event that um, a, an athlete that is more capable than you is coming, give them, give them you know, free reign. Get out of their way. Because some of them are, are vying for prize money. And if you kind of like clog the artery of a single track and you're just in their way, you're slowing them down and that's a problem. So making them dance around you, and it's just etiquette, you know, just get out of the way. Yeah. Um, they'll probably smile at you, thank you, and uh, mm -hmm. it's all going to be golden, but just get out of the way. Yeah. And especially on obstacles. Cause, and that's, it's a rare situation because usually the elites race first thing in the morning. So they're not going to be passing you, but sometimes for certain like trifecta weekends, especially they'll have a race in the middle of the day. So you might have ran the super in the morning and they're running the sprint in the afternoon, in which case they would be passing you. So it's just, if, they, if they're running up to an obstacle at the same time as you, maybe just wait for them let them go through and then you can start. Usually it's not an issue, but yeah, that, that race etiquette uh, there, yeah, again, they're racing times. for prize money. They're racing for a placement. So 
Just let so them go. I've seen the, the elite women go out after <clears throat> the age group men have gone out in some cases. <laughs> I've seen that happen. Oh. And, and, you know, they catch you. You know, they, they yeah. literally will, you know, somebody like Lindsay Webster, some of these girls, they'll show up on your yeah. back uh, and they need to get past you. I've, this was, I've seen this on many different occasions where there was, you know, the need to move. Um, yeah. So let's talk about stuff specific. So let's talk about, you know, obviously okay. grip strength is a big deal. You know, when you yeah. actually go through these obstacles, your ability to go across the monkey bars, uh, to carry something on your shoulder, uh, like a bucket or, or sandbags, or even, you know, in some cases, jerry cans, this grip thing is really, mm -hmm. really important, right? And uh, what I find a lot of people do is they think obstacle course race, got a grip, 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 grip. They do a lot, a lot, a lot of grip stuff. And you could potentially injure yourself if you do too much too early or take on projects that are just a little bit over your head. So simple things. If you're new to this and we're talking about beginners, if you do nothing more than a dead hang, get up and hang from something. So it could be like a monkey bar or something that you hang from. Uh, maybe jump up, grab the bar, hold on until you need to let go. Let go. Shake your hands off. When you're ready to go, jump back up, do it again. Really basic stuff. In training, you know, I work with athletes. What I do is you, the, the, the cardinal rule in training is simple to complex. Work the simple exercises, work towards the complex exercise. What would be next or more complicated is to hang with one arm. Jump up, grab hold, grab a hold, hold with two, let go, hold on with one. Maybe get up, hold on, change your grip. Change your grip. You know, and that changes the way, yeah. the dynamics of the way you're holding something. Change what you're holding on to. I have athletes that will, I'll throw a towel over a bar and have them hold on to the towel. The, the textile difference between that hard metal and that towel is, is huge. It's different. Um, grab hold of a rope. You know, you need to be able to climb a rope as well. And that's not necessarily a grip exercise. That's more of a technique-styled exercise. So, you know, mm -hmm. Leah is an expert at these types of activities, you know, ninja warrior types chick, you know, right? <clears throat> no, I totally agree. I think it's... If you're going to boil down Spartan type races to a couple like things that you can work on running, obviously is the big one, uh, grip. And I, I would, I wouldn't just simplify it to grip. I would say grip and like body awareness. So it's one thing to, like, if you've never done grip work before, yeah, start with that dead hang. The next step I would say is like, I, I do the grip switches and those are good. But what I really like doing is loosening the grip swinging and then gripping the other one like this. Cause then, and then this is, I'm doing it extended by the way. I don't really do obstacles locked out because it takes so much more energy. So yeah, there's a couple obstacles that it, it, they do call for being locked out. Like um, the, the one where you're going backwards and stuff. I forget what it's called, but um, twister, I think. I so uh, there's, there's a few that you might want to be locked out for, but I've seen a lot of people do those extended too. Cause extended is just a lot less work a lot less effort and when you're in the middle of a three mile race five mile race 13 mile race last thing you want to do is be burning up energy on an obstacle like this when there's an easier way to do it so i do a lot of extended up work 
I think that doing swinging motions, like that's why I say is you, you might don't even have to let go to swing onto the other hand. To start, you can just loosen, loosen one hand, loosen the other. Just get used to moving your body back and forth, back and forth, and just get used to that feeling. Because that's a huge thing with these races is you might be strong, but if you can't learn how to swing and move your body through space, it's going to be really tough for you because you're doing monkey bars. You're doing a, a rig. So it's literally just rings. You're swinging from one ring to the other, stuff like that. And if you're, if you're not used to swinging on one arm or swinging on two arms, it's going to be really tough. So do stuff like that. Even grabbing a bar and just swinging forward. This would be a little more advanced, but like swinging forward, switching around, swinging backward, swinging forward, switching around, swinging backward. That's a huge one. Really good for you. Because a lot of us don't have monkey bars we can go practice on. But if you do, move to more complex. Um, but yeah, I think if you're going to split up a Spartan race, you have running, you have grip and body awareness and body control. That's kind of that swinging all over the place. And then you have the more strength e obstacles. So that would be your... You go there, what? One, one thing about the yeah. grip. I did a podcast yeah. with... Uh, um, one of the guys that were the wolf pack, you know, the guys that okay, were Ninja Warrior, uh, mm -hmm. the million dollar thing, right? Uh, yeah. One of the guys in the wolf pack is, uh, is a physician. And apparently all mm -hmm. these guys hang out together. They're rock climbers in Colorado. And anyway, so I did a conversation with uh, the rock, uh, the wolf doc or something. I don't know what they called him, but he was, he was <laughs> part of the wolf pack. And, you know, these guys shared their million dollars, whatever it was. But uh, the tip that he provided that I thought was really interesting is a lot of people, when they grip, they grip as tight as they can. And that's a mistake because you're going to, you're going to, the contraction you're creating in your forearm and your grip is more intense than might be necessary. So you should only grip as tight as necessary to get through the activity. And you're going to save like yourself. That. You're going to save yourself a ton. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. And I think that's better for calluses too. Cause a lot of times people are afraid of ripping their hands when they grip stuff, the tighter you grip a lot of times you're going to get worse ripping. So like if you're gripping a bar, they're um, gripping a bar really hard and you twist, you think all that pressure now is on your, your calluses and your fingers right in here. Whereas if you can grip it lightly and swing, you're going to be a lot more, it's not going to hurt as bad. <laughs> so that's, that's a great point. Yes, for sure. Well, and you know, the other thing is uh, just, I have people do um, dumbbell exercises where like, for example, doing a single arm row, heavy, mm -hmm. dangle that weight in your grip. And then, so this is maybe less difficult for you than trying to get up and get a hold of a bar someplace, especially if you're, you're yeah. shorter of stature and you just, you know, just logistically, it's difficult for you to get to a place where you got to climb up on something to get a hold of the bar and then drop down to the box yeah. or something, you know, just, or if you're not ready to hang yet, I mean, some, you might not be ready to hang from a, which is fine. And that's a great way to practice and start, I think is dumbbell exercises and kettlebells, even a barbell, just something that's heavy that you yeah, have. barbell, right. Deadlifts build grip strength. I mean, they do for sure. Yep. And kettlebells, I think, too, help demonstrate that loose grip you need to have. So if you do not just start doing kettlebell swings, if you've never heard about them before, make sure you get some good training on it. Because if you're not doing them right, you're going to jack yourself up. But they are a great training because you're doing the whole body awareness, and like that, that movement through space, and you're working on your grip of that kind of loose grip you have to have where it swings through your, uh, through your palm. 
So yep. I think kettlebells as well as like the dumbbell barbell are huge for training this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So then, uh, after the grip, I would say the strength obstacles. So you have a hoist, which is a rope that goes up to a bag and you have to pull it through the pulley. So that's going to be grip as well, but it's also going to be just pure strength. I mean, you have to learn how to do stuff like that. Um, and then the heavy carries, which are tough. If you've never done something like that before, they're not super heavy weights. They, like they, they aren't super crazy heavy but they are tough if you're not used to carrying heavy weight. So this would be, what, what do you think would be some good uh, workouts you could do prep for that? Like well, so even having a barbell on your shoulder. Yeah, first of all, um, the unique thing about this is that you can go to Home Depot and get yourself a six pack of buckets, five gallon pails, mm -hmm. which you're going to carry a bucket in, in Spartan races. Yep. Used to be that when people would cradle the, the bucket in front of them um, because the bucket was open. And you had to fill the bucket mm -hmm. to a particular line. And somebody got wild. I remember those races. There was a pile of gravel and you yeah. had to fill the bucket yeah. with gravel. <laughs> somebody finally got wise and said, let's put the lid on it so we know that the right amount of weight's in it. And then mm -hmm. they went ahead and allowed people to put it on their shoulder. I've seen people. Yeah, carry that's the just bucket. as of this year. That just changed. I've yeah. seen people carry the bucket behind their back. I've seen people carry mm -hmm. it in front of them. I've seen them carry it on their shoulder. I've seen them hold on to it with both hands on their shoulder. Um, mm -hmm. but, um, that's a, that's a must do. you got to get yourself a bucket. You got to find out how much weight you're going to be challenged with. I would recommend using that amount of weight, no matter how difficult it might seem in the beginning and just move that bucket. So if, if it's a matter of just carrying it down the street, you know, and mm -hmm. then, you know, start out with maybe 25 yards that you carry the bucket, set it down. Um, maybe even be as simple as just picking it up squatting back down, setting it on the ground and just manipulate that bucket, make it your friend, get it up on your shoulder. Because yeah. I can tell you that aside from running being important, the timeline that's, that's required to complete some of the obstacles with the, the bucket or the bags takes a lot of time. You can, you'll, yeah. When you're proficient on a rig, you're, you're through it in under a minute, but you're going to carry that bucket for maybe as much as five, six, some cases, depending on the yeah. race, as much as seven or eight minutes. And if you can get that eight-minute bucket carry down to a four-minute bucket carry, you're that much further along. Uh, and yeah. so the other thing is if you just grab some, some heavy-duty uh, garbage bags, you know, like lawn leaf bags, and, you know, fill it with sand. Get, you know, just figure out, like, I think 50 pounds of sand, get some duct tape and tape the end of it, you got yourself a bag because they're not pristine circumstances you're going to be dealing with on a mountain. Mm -mm. Sometimes those sandbags are frozen into the ground if you're in the wrong place. I mean, you go to Vermont, you go to Tahoe, some of these places, you go to um, some of the races in Colorado, and you're going to be out there and it's going to be, sometimes it's, it's snowing, sometimes it's frozen, and all of which is awkward. And so getting that Whatever the most comfortable way and manipulate that, that carry as you can, you do it. And if you, if, you spent, if you ran and then picked up a bucket and did some work with the bucket, ran, did some work with the bucket, you're halfway there. You're halfway there. Um, and then there are other technical uh, events like you know, climbing over walls, climbing a rope, um, mm -hmm. things like this, getting under barbed wire, which is, by the way, is another crazy thing. Uh, I have exercises I have people do 
that uh, require you to roll side over side and then change directions and roll side over side the other way, turn it into a bear, bear crawl, and it'll make you want to throw up. But better to learn what that's going to feel like and how to adapt to it in training than find out when you're trying to race that you're about ready to lose your lunch because the only way yeah yeah and you need to practice that because like yeah because some people like i can't i can't roll on those because i get way too sick it's like i can't do any rolling on those so i had to get practice doing the crawls because when i tried to do the rolling (laughs) during a race it was horrible (laughs) did not be faster i mean if if you can if you could pull it off and 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 yeah there's some sometimes you know that's not perfect the way they set those things up Sometimes the barbed wire is high. Sometimes the barbed wire is Sometimes they do them uphill. I mean, they do them uphill. You can't roll uphill, really. Right. So, well, but, I mean, you, yeah, you, so you get practice you all that, uh, that groundwork. You've got to, whether it's going to yeah. be a, a low crawl, whether you're rolling, whatever, you got to do it. you got to do it in training. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can start out with a more pristine environment, maybe some grass or something that's, you know, not quite as aggressive as going through mud and, you know, going up or downhill. But uh, yeah, these are things that don't require any tools. You could, I mean, you, you, your investment could be whatever it costs to buy bags, a little bit of duct tape, a bucket, and, you know, go steal some dirt or sand from somebody's, you know, backyard. I don't know. And then, then those, those are really uh, end gripping, right? It really comes down to those, those things. Now, the, there's A-frames, you know, if you're scared of heights, being able to climb over things. And incidentally, yeah. these are things that are not quite as accessible. Like not, you know, I don't know if you have a neighbor that's got this big, you know, 30 foot high A-frame in his backyard for you to play on. Um, <laughs> so you may not ever face that until you actually get into a race. Um, and the same thing with running through creeks and running through, you know, uh, I, here in Tennessee, we can do it all day long. I just was running yesterday and happened to notice this, this I want to call it a creek. You know, almost like a river, but it's a creek. Pretty good current, but it looked like it was probably just a little bit less than knee deep. You know me, I'm thinking, yeah, well, you know what? This is a good place to bring somebody, you know, just throw them <laughs> up and, you know, run, run up and down this riverbank or whatever. Um, nice. But Pretty fun. some of the things you're not going to have access to. But yeah. The, let me just suggest that as a beginner, and, you know, I'm sure you've got a lot of stuff to cover yet. As a beginner, if you lock down your run, you, you get a hold of your grip, you do some work with the, the buckets, just carries, you know, whether it be carrying a rock, whatever you're carrying, get good at carrying awkward things, right? And roll around and you're, you're halfway there. You know, you, yeah. might, you might struggle with something and guess what you do, you burpee out. So guess what you gotta do in yeah. your training? Burpees, right? You got to spend some time getting proficient at burpees because in a shorter distance race, it can make a big difference in your end up time, right? Uh, I can tell you, I work with elites and if they end up having to do burpees in a sprint, they're losers. They're done. They're not going to win. You just can't make up the the gap. If, if If you're winning, if you're in the lead and you have somebody on your back, if you got somebody 30 seconds behind you and you have to burpee out, you just lost that race. Because yeah, for reference, like try because you have to do thirty burpees. Um, like try that, see how long it takes. Like that for the fast elites, I think they're doing them in about two ish minutes, two to three. Like for me, it takes like three ish. But but also you're in the middle of a race too, so you're already tired. Fast athlete for a fast elite. Yeah, 
Yeah. So that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. If, if, if you can practice them a little bit and take it from five minutes to do that to down to three or two, that's a huge amount less that you have to be doing burpees. So it is Nobody a good thing to practice burpees, for sure. You know, no one, one likes burpees. Burpee. They suck. What, what I'll do uh, again, just giving you some, some idea of what a workout might look like. If you jump up and, and dead hang and go to the ground and do 10 burpees and jump up and dead hang and go to the ground and do burpees, and you do, I don't know, four sets, five sets of those. And then as you get more proficient, maybe you you jump up, grab the bar, and try to do as much of a pull-up or a chin-up as you possibly can. Or maybe even do a negative where you The get, grip switches or something. Well, you get on yeah. a box and get into a locked-out position and then slowly lower yourself down. Because then you're going to start developing the lats. You're going to get those muscles that are, you know, the prime movers in your back, which are what you should be using rather than just totally depending on your grip to hold you up. Um, yeah, but simple stuff like that. You, it's not a very complex thing, and and you can yeah. you can get by with very very little to toys, you know. Um, yeah. And again, so let's just say that you go to a um, a wall that's a seven foot wall, and oops, you you know you're having a nightmare trying to get over that wall, and you end up having a burpee out. Well, maybe you make up for that in the carries if you're doing like a super or even God help you a beast. Right. You can you can make up the time. You can make up the time if you are proficient in the things that take longer. So if you run better, that's definitely going to make a big difference. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the running component is huge. And I should share that just for fun. I went through and looked at some tips that some of the top pros offer up. Unquestionable among all of them. And I've worked with a lot of them. A lot of the top athletes in the sport I've physically been involved with and I've worked with. And they will tell you hands down, if you can't run, you're done. You, you can't win in the sport. And as yeah. a beginner, you're not really looking to win. But if you struggle with a with a with an exercise that you're soon to learn, you know you can make up for it if you're proficient with your run. And like like just like we were saying, we have there's the three different divisions. So if you're going into this to be social and have fun, and you don't know how to run, and you're like, oh shoot, I can't do it. That's not what we're talking about. Go have fun with your friends, power hike it, have a blast. That's not what we're talking about. But if you want to compete and push yourself, like do the best that you can, running has to be a main focus for you or it's not going to turn out how you want it to turn out. <laughs> well, I, I mean, this is why I'm in business. I have athletes come yeah. to me because they're, they're hoping that I'm going to help them with their run game. And when I do, things change. They start to win. And uh, that's, that's huge. It's huge. So... It's important. So what, what else? I mean, what about, let's talk about what you're going to wear. Okay. Well, I was going to say one thing before we move on to, so this is something that, cause I would consider myself more of like a fitness purist. So like looking at the CrossFitters do those crazy pull-ups and all that stuff. I'm like, Oh, I hate yeah, but that. But one thing that I think people could incorporate to help with like the walls and those types of things. There's one that's a, a box. They call the box. They call it whatever. So you have to climb up, reach over the top of the box, get your legs over and then crawl over. It's really awkward and weird. Um, one thing that I think can be helpful is practicing. If you have a, a bar jumping and pulling yourself up into like a pull-up position or above a pull-up position if you can, and using that jump to help get you there. So I'm not saying hang and pull up. I'm saying jump and get as high as you can, because that's very similar to what you're gonna be doing on those obstacles. So you have a wall that you have to get up. You're gonna be running, jumping, trying to kind of push off the wall if you can, grab the top and pull yourself over. If you're running up, hanging, 
and then trying to pull yourself over, that's going to be way harder. That so that would be one case in which, what? Yeah, it's, it's not going to work. Gonna it's going to be exhausting. <laughs> so you might be able to do it, but you're going to be dead. <laughs> so that would be one thing. If you don't have access to a wall or something you can practice that on, try it on a pull-up bar, jumping and pulling yourself up and then down. And you can practice it. You can even do a burpee and then jump up instead of your jump. You can jump to the bar and try to pull up and then back down. So just as another tip for those types of obstacles, something I wouldn't necessarily recommend if you're trying to build up your pull-up strength, but it can be great for a Spartan. <laughs> so we're, we're going to talk about what to wear. And I think starting from yeah. the bottom up, and I'm not going to go into a tirade about shoes, but you want to wear a trail shoe. You want something that's got grip, and the more grip, the better. And you want something that's going to allow water to come out of the shoe. I have seen people, I've actually done it, drill holes in the bottom of the shoe to encourage the, you know, the water to leave the shoe. And there are shoes that are, are designed this way where there's either vents on the sides of the shoe or underneath or both to free the water from the shoe because you're going to get wet. You're either going to run through a puddle, you're going to do under a dunk wall, you're going you're to have to get wet somewhere along the way uh, in most races. Um, and sorry to break it to you, but the race directors, uh, not you, I'm saying sorry to break it to you, athletes, they're not going to try to set up the course to avoid the mud and the hills and all that stuff. They try to lead you specifically through the nasty terrain. So if there's a muddy, marshy section, they're going to make you run through it. <laughs> so don't think like, oh, it's kind of a marshy area, but they'll probably go around it. They will not. <laughs> I promise. You know, I, a couple of these fellows are friends of mine, and um, they're... They're heinous by nature. They, they, they want to see what kind of uh, scare they can put into you while you're trying to do these events. And I've seen some, mm -hmm. I've seen some courses that I'm like, I'm like, I don't even want to go there. That's nasty looking, scary looking. <laughs> you know? Like a water, yeah. this uh, Jacksonville, I think it's like water moccasins or something in the swamp, you know, or you're running through this. And, and sometimes you're in that water a lot, you know, it's not like a little bit. Yeah. Um, so not to freak anybody out, but yeah, you know, yeah. just be prepared. So shoes that have grip, shoes yeah. that will vent water, very important. I saw Lindsay Webster at uh, OCR World Championships with uh, chalk on her, on her tights, on her thighs. She does that on purpose so that when she gets to a rig and she wants to make sure her grip's good, she'll rub her hand across the, uh, the chalk, dry her hands off, and she's good to go genius in my mind so mm -hmm. tights are good tights are good because they're going to cut down on the scratching and the snagging and things like this uh spare your legs a little bit and if you're new and you're, you're going to bang yourself up a little bit uh, you might get a little protection from scraping and stuff with tights on uh, yeah. but you want to wear um, form-fitting clothes if you're going to put something on yeah you need it to be close to you because you know going under barbed wire you know, God forbid if it could be your hair, it could be something that's going to yeah. be snagged on that barbed wire. And I can't tell you how many girls I know who have gotten their hair caught in the, the barbed wire. So yeah, wear it close, wear it in tight braids down or something. Don't wear that high pony that's flopping all over the place. Yeah. It's not going to go well. Don't wear your, don't wear your $120 Lululemon leggings. Um, it's not going to go well. You're going to be pissed because the, the little rocks and everything, they're going to cut them apart. So just be mindful of that when you're wearing, when you're picking out your race clothes, but yeah, 
leggings, tight shorts are usually the best to run in. Um, and then yeah, going up the chain shirts, something form fitting. You don't want it all floppy all over the place, getting caught on things. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, you can wear hats if you want. See people running glasses, which is interesting to me. Like even the elites, Annie Doobie, uh, she run like sunglasses the whole race. Uh, you're not allowed to wear headphones on the trails. So don't go into it thinking you can wear headphones. You're not allowed to because they, they want you to be receptive to the volunteers if they're talking to you. Plus if other people are coming up behind you, stuff like that. So you're not allowed to wear headphones. Um, some people in the open wave do bring like speakers that they'll put in a little backpack. I wouldn't recommend that because you're disturbing everyone else running. So I personally would say would hesitate <laughs> to recommend that, but you will see people doing that. Um, I don't know. I personally think that's kind of. So back to weird. the ladies for a second. <laughs> one, of the, one of the other benefits we didn't talk about is when you're climbing a rope and you're, yeah, you're doing sure. a J hook where you're wrapping your leg around the rope and pulling up and sliding, you can really, really uh, get rope burns on your, on your lower leg maybe your upper leg too, mm -hmm. if you're lucky. And having tights on will help to break that friction up a little bit. So that's another good reason yeah. why you might want to do that. Yeah, hydration, carrying hydration with you. Um, I like uh, camelbacks, uh, some fashion of mm -hmm. light styled camelback. Well, the point of the matter is, is that you, aside from just getting water, you want electrolytes. If you, the longer you go, the more important it becomes that you have um, not just um, hydration, but you got nutrition. You're actually taking on calories and you're also taking on electrolytes, which are gonna help you from cramping up. Um, so mm -hmm. you, you know, I've seen people wear these little tight um, um, waistbands that you could stick things in like goose and whatever. Um, and sometimes I've seen people put a flask in there, like a, a collapsible flask where they could put some fluid in there and they might have some electrolytes on board there. Uh, there's a lot of different ways, uh, and you gotta experiment to find what, what works best for you. Yeah. But just trying to blow it off, yeah. and totally depend on them just handing you some water, especially on a, a long course. Uh, and mind you, a super, even though it's only gonna be six miles, it's a long course, it's a long day. Yeah. If, if you're not able to, I mean, let's face it, if you, if you can run a 50 minute 10K, minus obstacles, add the obstacles, add a mountain, add a trail, and you're gonna find out mm -hmm. that it's gonna take you a little while. You're gonna be out there, you're committed for a while. So you wanna make yeah. sure that you're, you're taking care of yourself hydration and nutrition-wise. So the, the other thing, and I, I would sit here and come up with a million ideas on how to approach this. There's two things that I, I would like to recommend. The first thing is allow yourself enough time to prepare for the event. Don't get caught up mm -hmm. in this trifecta madness that we were talking about earlier. You know, let's take one at a time. Let's take the short course first, get your feet wet, figure that out, maybe do a few of those before you start to move on to longer and longer distance events. Don't get sucked into doing an ultra beast or a beast on a mountain that's just heinous, just treacherous mountain when you're just ill prepared because you're just gonna hurt yourself. And that's gonna take the fun out of the thing for sure. The other thing that I would recommend is possibly invest in a coach. Find somebody that has some experience that's willing to help you and guide you and keep you from harm's way. And for whatever you invest mm -hmm. in that, it's gonna be worth it. Especially 
If this is something that you, you know, I mean, I don't golf. I tell people, that's always been my excuse for the things I do is like, I don't golf. Yeah, spend a little money on a coach. It makes a world of a difference. <laughs> it makes a world of a difference. And obviously I'm biased with this coach that I have here, but there are coaching options out there um, that are not super expensive. They are not crazy. And yeah, just get into it. No, really. Um, and I didn't even bring that up as a, you know, as a ploy to get somebody to contact me. Yeah. Because I honestly, yeah. to be very honest with you, I think most people that are trying to get into this thing, um, they have two options. They can get somebody that's reasonably priced to help them, or they're so convinced that they need the best and they don't want to hurt themselves and it matters to them that they're willing to spend the kind of money that a more premium coach is, coach is going to charge. And uh, yeah, so I don't, honestly, I'll get calls from people that they called the wrong guy. You know, they just called the wrong yeah. guy. And, and so... Yeah. Anyway, um, now, so, but, but, but I'm toying with the idea of doing a virtual beginner's coaching program, which would be available on Facebook, private Facebook page. For OCR specifically, right? OCR specific and beginners. I don't want anybody that's like going to get in there and get all cocky and, you know, I want somebody that really wants help that wants to learn how to do this because... They think it'll be fun for them or someone yeah. that's trying to do it. Maybe that had a bad experience because they just didn't know what they were doing and they want some help. Um, that could come to fruition. And if it does, it's going to happen very soon. So if you're watching mm -hmm. this video in 2040, uh, the, the, the material is dated. There's a good likelihood that I'm no longer doing that program. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just blown up and that's all you do now. I mean, who knows? I don't, yeah, I don't think After so. this podcast, people are going to be all into it. But yeah, that's a more approachable price point for people doing those group training sessions. If you, For context, Richard has done these types of things before for other um, disciplines like uh, uh, people getting into marathons or people getting into tri uh, triathlons, stuff like that. So it's a group training that will be virtual and he will do it's, – it's, it's semi-customized for the group. So it's more of a reason, like an approachable price point for someone who's first time racer, yeah. but it is like specific to that sport or that goal. So OCR. Yeah, so it's going to be instance. a level function. So I'm going to level everything down yeah. and dummy it down for people that really need that and, and then guide them into a better place. We have a yeah. program in place right now that uh, VJ Jones and I have been doing for, uh, it's going on two years now. It's called OPP, nice. which is Obstacle Performance Project. And uh, we have a group of people that have been in it with us all along, and they've gotten really good. I mean, they've gotten so, they're so proficient. They understand our workouts. They can get out there and get it. They're getting on the podium. And, you know, these were not beginners from the, from the gate. Um, the training yeah. for them from the start was a little bit more demanding. Um, and that may not be the place for people that are beginners, but... If you're an age grouper and you're trying to level up, you want to get a little bit better at what you're doing, that might be a place for you. So anyway, yeah, it's a cool Leah, program. Anything we haven't not talked about, it's time to talk. Yes. About. One last thing that I was thinking about that I forgot I wanted to throw in back when we were talking about our, our main like focuses. If this is your first time race, we talked about running. We talked about grip and body control. We talked about the strength. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention this last huge point is you are trail running. 
this is a sport that you need to have some sort of agility and like joint function. So I thought of this when you were talking about that A-frame. So the A-frame is a, it's a cargo net. So it's almost like this awkward, bouncy, floppy little thing you have to crawl up and over. So one thing that's going to be huge for that, huge for trail running, huge for basically the whole Spartan race is just awkward terrain, awkward little things you have to do with your body. So get some agility work in. You can do those, uh, those ladders they have that set in the ground. You can do little agility work. You can do ankle mobility and strengthening exercises. There's all sorts of stuff for this online. And Richard might even give you some tips on this, but um, that's going to be huge because if you start out a race and you've done your running, you've done your grip, you've done your strength and you sprain your ankle within five feet because you're not used to running and potholes and mud and all this awkward terrain, you're going to be screwed. So agility is a huge thing you have to throw into your uh, training program, whether that's just running agility or just agility and climbing around on awkward things. I mean, maybe you can even set up a, a rope ladder that you can mess around on or some gyms have stuff like that that you can play on or um, they'll have those ladder treadmills that you can crawl on. Even that is getting used to your hands and feet moving in unison and crawling up on something. I was actually surprised at how awkward those were. Yeah. So stuff like that is going to be hugely valuable and you're going to be shocked at how much of a difference it's going to make in preparing you for things that you can't otherwise be prepared for. Like Richard was saying, no one has an A-frame 20 foot cargo thing, net thing in their backyard, but you can prepare for that by doing full body agility training. So that was something I really wanted to mention that I think I'd forgotten about earlier. Yeah. You know, I have, as you know, I have clients all over the world. And one of my mm -hmm. clients is in Mexico City. And he is very proficient. He's racing elite. But uh, there are things that I don't need to teach him. He just needs to practice. Right. So I don't go through this whole laundry list of things I want him to do when it comes to obstacle proficiency. I just tell him, I said, is that OCR gym that you hang out at now and then, is that open tomorrow? <laughs> he goes, yeah. I said, go in there and go to work on some obstacles yeah. and then tie in the runs that I, I, I have associated for you. And uh, I know that yeah. you're, you're handling that, you know? So it gets, yeah. for a lot of these guys, it gets to be a function of just maintenance. They're just staying on yeah. top of their ability to get through these. Uh, because you get to a place where you become obstacle proficient, meaning that for the most part, you're not overly challenged by getting through the, the obstacles. They're just speed bumps in the race course. And uh, once you get to that place, you don't have to wear yourself out with obstacle training all the time. You know, a couple days a week is generally plenty. If you do 20 minutes worth of grip or stuff, that's a lot. That's a ton in a given training. It's a ton. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. that's all I got uh, on the subject right now. Yeah. You know, let's, yeah, and rock climbing gyms can be good too if you just kind of want to get out of your comfort zone, get into different planes of motion and stuff. Uh, indoor rock climbing gyms can be really cool. Again, super approachable. If you've never climbed before, it's a really fun community. People are really chill. Uh, again, a pretty low judgment like sport. You can walk up to most climbing gyms, it seems like, and no one really cares. Just go in, have fun. Again, learn the etiquette of the gym, but it's a good way, I think, to practice that kind of uh, body control and like full body agility. If you, if you, if you've never done that before, cause a lot of us haven't didn't grow up doing monkey bars necessarily or climbing around on things. So that can just be a great kind of intro, get you kind of used to it for your first race. So, well, on that note, I say we put a fork in this and, uh, if you haven't already done it, 
Go down there. Go up there. there. Go. go over here. Subscribe. I don't even know where we're going anymore. Well, I, I don't either. There we go. Subscribe. Follow the website. Blah, blah, blah. Thanks, Leah. Do all the things. Thanks, Richard. You guys. Talk to you later. Bye.